Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Gluten-Free Voice. I am thrilled to be back on the air with the first show of the fall season with some dear friends of mine, but people who you ought to know and love as much as I do if you're in our gluten-free community. I'm pleased to be able to welcome back my friend Cynthia Cooper from GIG and also my friend Sarah Vollmer, who is now also working with GIG. Those of you who are not familiar with GIG, um, in the gluten-free world, especially in North America, um, it has been a, a very prominent part of all of our lives, whether you know it or not. It touches your life in some way, whether through a support group or through its mission to educate, um, through certification organizations, educating restaurants and also um, individuals throughout the country. It's been pretty amazing. And they've got some really great things that are coming up, too, internationally, which I really want to hear more about. Um, but I asked them to come on to the show today because I really want to get them to explain all of the wonderful things they've been doing for the past 40 years. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty remarkable that um, an organization of this uh, magnitude has been around in this community making a difference and influencing people's lives and making it a better place for all of us living gluten-free for 40 long years. The ladies who are on the show today have not been working on this for 40 long years. They're much younger than that. Um, But they've been working very diligently and doing all kinds of amazing things we want to hear about. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for taking time to talk to us today. And um, welcome back, Cynthia. You've been traveling quite a bit lately, haven't you? I have. And thank you for having us on the show, Jules. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really... Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to have you back on again, Cynthia, because the last time it seems like we whenever we've talked, it's always been some sort of, you know, really important um you know, milestone in the community. Either something really bad's happening and we're all worried about it and what are we gonna do to change it or something really good is happening, like with labeling or something like that. But we never have an opportunity to sit back and say, Wow, how far have we come? This is really phenomenal and you know, you have a really unique perspective on this because you've been working on these issues for so long. Could you just give us a little bit of background on, you know, on GIG, first of all, GIG, the Gluten Intolerance Group of North America, but also how you fit in. Like, when did you start, and what was the landscape of the gluten-free world as we know it when this all began? Because I think people could really benefit from the perspective. Things have changed so, so much over the past certainly 40 years, but even just in the past 10 or 12 I'd be happy to. So I started with GIG about 20 years ago 
when I was diagnosed with celiac disease. And at that time, we were still, or celiac disease was still considered an orphan disease. Imagine being considered an orphan disease, something so rare that nobody knew anything about it. Slowly, we changed that so that we no longer fit with the orphan diseases, and we became something that more people understood. When I was diagnosed, I was eating something that looked akin to styrofoam and cardboard. I was making my own ketchup and things like that. It just seemed so antiquated and that I had to start from scratch with everything. And that has changed so much in the last 20 years. But even 20 years before that, there was little known about celiac disease or any of the gluten sensitivities in North America. And Elaine Hartzuk, who was a research dietitian at the University of Washington here in Seattle, actually started this small support group to help a handful of people who had been diagnosed after they had gone through the Reuben tube procedure, which is a which looks like a garden hose going down your throat. That was how they originally diagnosed people with celiac disease. And there were a handful of them here. So she started GIG, and um, during her reign as the founder, actually became known worldwide for helping to establish the first gluten-free diet and doing some other research projects. So she had put GIG on the map long before I ever came on board. Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, we've come so far with celiac disease awareness, um, diagnosis research, um, and now finally we have this diagnosis called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And, you know, looking back, that the GIG group was really called the gluten intolerance group for so long because originally if anyone was ever on a gluten-free diet, it was only because they had celiac disease. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, almost – prescient in a way that, you know, we're talking mm-hmm. about a group that, that has been all-encompassing for anyone on this type of diet, um, even long before it was recognized as a as a genuine medical necessity for many who don't actually have celiac disease. Absolutely. Um, we knew that there was celiac disease. We knew that there was glu- or dermatitis herpetiformis. And in some of Elaine's original research papers that I had an opportunity to go through after she left us, um, I was finding that she had actually been doing some research into other conditions, and there wasn't much known then. But she was very intelligent for naming it the Gluten Intolerance Group. And and over the years, we've been encouraged to change that and never have. So Mm -hmm. I'm very pleased that we kept our name. Yeah, it's it's interesting staying true to the original intent, but in, in the end it actually pays off because I think, you know, f- really whenever I go out and talk to groups or, or um, and giving, you know, lectures or cooking classes and I ask people why they're on a gluten-free diet and they have all these different reasons for it, and I say that's nice, I'm, I'm really glad to hear all of that, but in the end it doesn't really even matter because if mm-hmm. you are eating gluten-free because your health requires it, it doesn't matter to me or to the restaurant or to the food manufacturer or to the support group whether or not you have diagnosed celiac disease or gluten sensitivity or autism spectrum, whatever the, the reason why you're on a diet like that. So um, it's interesting that starting out in the very beginning, it was already all-encompassing like that. But anyway, I digress. Um, I wanted to, um, I guess, really focus on 
you know, what the mission of the gluten intolerance group has been and how that has changed and evolved over time. We've, we've already touched on the fact that it's all-encompassing and that it doesn't, um, you know, discriminate or give preference to someone who has a medical diagnosis in any way. It's all about what you do about it and, and how you live safely gluten-free. But those the mission and, and the way that GIG has evolved to help people um, in our community has really been quite remarkable over time. And I wonder if you couldn't speak to that a little bit, Cynthia, and maybe Sarah can chime in about some of the new programs that you're really looking to um, focus on in the upcoming years as well. Absolutely. GIG's mission and vision that Elaine set up was always about supporting the consumer. So from day one, our mission has been about consumer support we did that initially through forming support group, um, providing materials, creating a magazine, and things like that. Elaine even wrote one of the very first cookbooks um, for gluten-free diets, and it was. We still have a copy of that. So as we have grown over the years, in keeping in mind that our primary focus is the consumer, we have looked at what the consumer needs are and have been. So we've not only expanded our programs in education and providing support through a 100 branches across the country and now internationally, providing a lot more education materials and starting to convert, uh, change those into other languages, but then we reached out to restaurants and food services and manufacturers. So we now have two divisions in GIG that provide consumer support. Our social programs, which Sarah runs, and that's where a lot of the education comes from. And then our industry side, where we work with the food manufacturers and the food service providers to make sure that they've got safe, gluten-free products. And that's a secondary touch. Everybody who goes to the grocery store will see that we have helped them by when they see that certified gluten-free symbol on packages. That's the work we do to help them have safe choices. That's great, and I and I just um, you know I guess I should throw out there that as when I became a gluten free food manufacturer as well as you know an author and other things that I do, I went straight to GIG for the gluten free certification organization. Um, piece to this puzzle because I've always trusted that GF label, that independent certification label as a gluten-free consumer, and I wanted that for my goods as well. So I've um, always trusted you all um, and given you, you know, my full support in that way, but also as a gluten-free food manufacturer, I can say, speaking from that perspective, I appreciate all the different programs that you offer to manufacturers and the assistance that you offer to those manufacturers, you know, others who maybe manufacture in a facility that's not dedicated or something like that. You know, you go in and you really, you know, scour the premises and teach them how to how to prepare safe food. And, and you're helping not just the consumer to have safe food, but the manufacturer to do a good job about that. And again, with the focus and the mission always being on that gluten-free consumer. So with that in mind, Sarah, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the upcoming things, the the, the way that the GIG has turned its focus internationally in a lot of ways. Also, you know, I think there's a lot more work that you're doing for camps and for children um, you know, to expand the programs and the reach of GIG at this point. Can you speak to some of those things? Absolutely. Uh, right now, the social program division of the Gluten Intolerance Group is expanding internationally. 
Uh, right now, we currently have two gluten intolerance groups that are international. We have one in Ecuador and one in Spain. Uh, we also are working with our over 100 local, by local I mean within the United States. Uh, we have over 100 gluten-free branches, gluten intolerance group branches that provide support and education amongst their community. Uh, we also have two summer camps. We go to uh, North Carolina and uh, Vashon Island up by Washington uh, twice every year, one at each time, uh, providing meals for gluten-free campers. And that is a program that we want to expand also. Uh, we are participating in the Gluten-Free Food Allergen Expos and the Gluten-Free Food Allergy Fests um, all of 2015. So you will see us at both of those expos. Um, so you will be able to talk to us and see us, and we're hoping to have local support group presence there as well to answer any questions for local uh, attendees. Uh, we also provide a magazine, a quarterly magazine, that uh, we produce in-house that's full of updated research, um, articles, recipes. Um, our upcoming fall issue that's going to print right now has a bunch of cool recipes from the staff within GIG um, with all of our favorite holiday recipes, uh, so we encourage anybody, if you're interested in those, uh, you can sign up to be a member of the Gluten Intolerance Group on our website at gluten.net, and you can receive this quarterly magazine right in your mailbox. So we have a lot of programs right now going on as far as uh, branch education. We're trying to be the um, provider of education for our over 100 branches so that they are provided the right education, uh, we're creating um, resources for them to make their jobs easier, to keep doing the great jobs that they do within their communities. Uh, we also, as GIG, we have 20 staff members and nine of us um, either have celiac disease or have family members with celiac disease or we have gluten intolerance or family members with gluten intolerance. So you not only have a, a staff that is determined to provide education to consumers, but you also have some of us living that lifestyle. So it's we get to help ourselves and help others at the same time, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's great when you can pull all that together and, and your your labor truly becomes a labor of love. Um, and, right. and I think that shows, you know, because you're speaking the language and you're walking the walk, um, you know, when, when you're living the life. So um, could you just talk a little bit more about the international stuff? I think this is really fascinating. When you go on to the gluten.net site, there's this big banner about working with um, programs in India, and you just mentioned some other countries as well. And I just think this is really exciting that you all have been able to reach out in these ways. And um, what are you seeing? internationally as far as the gluten-free landscape and, and what is the opportunity, why, you know, why are you going into those countries, what is the goal that you have um, for, for helping people in those countries or is it more about a unification um, you know, with international trade and gluten-free goods or, or what is really the goal there and what are you hoping to accomplish? That's a great question, Jules. One of the things that we have noticed is that there are countries where there's very little support and a lot of times we will meet these people at some of the shows or the medical meetings we go to, and we always offer to help them. As a community-minded organization, we feel it's very important to reach out and to offer support where we can. And one of the easiest ways for us to offer support is to help them with their education needs. So in India, for instance, we're working directly with a medical center 
and with a support group, and we're providing them the resources they need and helping them to get them translated sometimes or when they do get them translated, seeing if they're useful for people in this country as well. So we've had a long-term relationship with a group in India, with a group in Turkey, and are now forming those other international relationships. And for us, a lot of it is to help provide the educational support that they need that maybe they don't have the resources to handle. So we do some translation and things like that. But it also brings this community together. And that's one of the things I learned on my very long walk is that Community is so important, and there's just not enough time in the day and enough resources to be so divided. And so if we can help, we should help, and that's our philosophy. Well, that's great. Um, it's good to to hear that kind of thing. You know, it's refreshing, I think, to to know that you know, there's people out there kind of looking out for, for all of us, but... Um, it's good to hear, you know, in your own words and, and the perspective that you gain just from your, your very long walk, as you put it. <laughs> 500 miles is a very long walk. <laughs> it's not like around the block or anything, but that's a call for another day. Um, I, you know, speak, speaking, you know, again about the international piece, and I recall when we were working on our gluten-free food labeling, um, through 10133 and, and, you know, when we all came together for the Gluten-Free Food Labeling Summit, which, you know, we're so excited that it was successful and we were able to get the food labels. One of the, the things that I thought was very interesting piece, and this might fit nicely with what you're working on as well with the international um, bit, is that, you know, I remember Dr. Fasano saying, if we have a different standard for gluten-free parts per million in the United States – from what the rest of the international community really has adopted, which at this point is the less than 20 parts per million standard, um, that's really going to be a hindrance for international trade. And in other words, you know, a, a manufacturer in India, you know, or in Italy or Turkey or anywhere really who wanted to send their, their gluten-free products to the United States, if we had a, a different standard for what is gluten-free, then we would be very limited in terms of what access we as gluten-free consumers could have to those international products. And I think anything that you do to reach out internationally and create those um, those alliances, those connections, the education, the awareness, that just builds an even um, richer uh, connection with countries and manufacturers even who could be potentially sending some amazing foods our way. Uh, you know, and I'm always interested in trying something new if it's gluten-free. But I know you also certify manufacturers and products in other countries as well. So you're you're really have been in this international space for a while and can probably speak to that even more than um than my limited understanding of of how much connection there really is, but how long and and how many different um products or companies have you been working with internationally to certify their products for international, you know, distribution into the United States as certified by the Gluten-Free Certification Organization? I don't know right off the top of my head the exact number of manufacturers that we work with internationally, but as Shannon will say, who runs the um, industry programs, we find ourselves on six continents. Evidently, penguins in South Af- or the Antarctic don't care about gluten-free, but we do. Um, so we visit over 25 countries to do inspections and audits of their plants. And we know that the products that we certify 
actually are appearing across Europe and into South America as well with our certification mark on it. So we have a very strong connection with them. We're also developing a very strong connection with the scientific community that deal with food products in setting up, just as you said, testing standards, um, protocols, and things like that. So it's not just what the labeling regulation is, whether it's Codex, American, or a Canadian standard, but also what are the standards for um, unifying the food manufacturers around the world to use the same testing protocols, to use the uh, consistent um, matrix standard test uh, median when they're testing kits for use in their plants and things like that. And along with that, um, in our certification programs, both in our manufacturing and food service, we strongly believe in um, education as well. So we're there as their partner in consultation education as well, to, as, well, as, well as helping them to meet very high standards. That's great. Um, I'm always surprised when I see things that have that label and I know that they come from other countries. It's just like, wow, Cynthia was there <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Some arm of, of this organization was really, you know, was there and really made this happen. Um, wow, that's that's pretty neat. Well, you know, 40 years is a long time, and the, the perspective that you offered at the beginning of the show just on how things were different 20 years ago, and, and I've been diagnosed for um, quite a while as well. Things have been so different. And and you also spoke a little bit to, you know, how things looked back in Elaine's time when she started this 40 years ago. But this is the 40th anniversary of this amazing group, and, you know, it's morphed from that little, you know, group of a few people who started um, you know, meeting as a support group 40 years ago. But what what kind of plans do you have to mark this occasion to celebrate how far you've come and all of the amazing advancements that you're making and the, the new programs and, and things that you're planning for the future? What What's going to be the big um, party? <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, Jules, on Sunday, November 9th, at the Greater Tacoma Convention and Trade Center, we are going <laughs> to have ourselves a party. Uh, you only turn 40 once, and there's not going to be any black balloons at our party. It's going to be colorful. <laughs> we are going to have some fun. So, Jules, actually, you are going to be a vendor for our event. So if you want to come see Jules, meet Jules, you can do that. Uh, what yep. we're going to do is from 1 to 5 at the Greater Tacoma Convention and Trade Center, we are going to have some bouncy houses. We're going to have some face painting. We've got some balloon animals. We got a photo booth going on. We have some live and we have a live and silent auction, which I'll talk about in one second. We're going to have our beer garden, and then on top of that, we're going to have 40 vendors who are going to hand out samples, give you the nice, cool, awesome new things to try. Uh, we're going to have um, the opportunity for um, some mingling. Uh, we're going to have a social media center in the front, so if there's any bloggers out there that want to come experience this event with us. Uh, we've got tables set up. You could do so. And then the best part um, is we get to celebrate our 40th anniversary, um, and we're hoping that uh, with these auctions that we have going on, it can help us sustain our future financially even better. So we've got things um, at our live and silent auctions. We have items like a hotel night stay. Um, we've got zoo guest certificates. We have a really awesome 
expensive bass guitar made out of mahogany that's oh been donated by a rock star. Well, he likes to think of himself a rock star, but it is going to be a bass guitar <laughs> made out of mahogany. We're going to have, uh, well, we're going to have all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, if you want to bid and win some awesome prizes by doing an auction, we are going to have a, yeah, we're going to have a balloon ride. Um, we've got options where you can do a two-person balloon ride. We've got options where we can do a four-person balloon ride. And then you can even go by yourself. So we have a one-person <laughs> balloon ride. Um, so these are all things that you can, we've got camp scholarships. Like we talked about, we have the GIC mm-hmm. camps that we do two a year, uh, one in North Carolina, one in by Vashon Island. And we have certificates so that you could send your kid to camp for free. Um, we're going to have a blast. So if you're not there, that's too bad. So you can follow us on Twitter by using our hashtag GIG40. Otherwise, I think you should just come. $5 admission. Uh, 12, kids 12 and under get in for free. And then if you're a GIG member, you get in for free also. So I hope you all will join us because we're going to have a blast. Well, I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure. Um, this sure. community is um, its just so rich with love and support and anytime I get to go to one of these types of events I get so jazzed about it and I get all pumped and, and I have the best time and I love meeting new people and it's just a great opportunity so yeah if you live anywhere near or can get to Tacoma it's going to be a fantastic event and just even just to be there and be part of the fact that we're celebrating 40, 40 years of this kind of amazing um, development and support and enrichment and education and, and really to look forward to all of the great things that are to come out of this group. It's pretty fantastic. You mentioned, Sarah, about if you yeah. wanted to become a, a member of GIG. What if there's not a support group near you? How would you start a support group, and what are the benefits of that? Or, or is, is it okay just to join and, and be a single member of GIG, and what would you get out of it in that case? Well, that's a great question, Jules. I would encourage everybody uh, to become a member of the Gluten Intolerance Group. Again, with our local branches, uh, over 100 of them in the United States and two internationally, um, if you wanted to become a member of the National Gluten Intolerance Group, that helps the local branches succeed in their mission as well. Um, You can become a member of a local branch if they do have memberships. Um, But what we want to do is create that um, camaraderie camaraderie among all these people living gluten-free so that we can help support each other. Um, Local support groups can help you um, find great places to eat. They can help you uh, think of great doctors in the area. It is literally an opportunity at a local branch level or even nationally to kind of help support each other. Um, Local support groups do get the support from the National Gluten Intolerance Group. Uh, We are the ones that make sure that they have the most updated information. Uh, We provide them any educational materials they need for any community events they are having. So if you want to become, if you don't have one in your area, you can go to our website at gluten.net and you can sign up um, for becoming a branch leader. That is a fun thing to do. There is no cost to do that. Um, what right, and and it's not hard either. I mean, you could just no. have a once a month. You could meet at a new restaurant with whoever wants to come and and have your quote unquote meeting there. I mean, it it doesn't have to yep. be a big, fancy deal. 
Yep, and, and honestly, uh, some of the branches um, among the country, some of them have a newsletter, some don't. Some mm-hmm. hold expos, some don't. It literally can be a self-led, self-paced group, but all we want to make sure you're doing is providing the best and most up-to-date information, which is what we're here for, among many, many other things. Um, if you want to become a branch leader, you go to the website and you you contact us. You uh can ask for more information. You can fill out what we call a branch inquiry, and you can say, is there one in the area? There's not. Well, I'll do it. So you want to go to gluten.net to find out more information on doing that, or you can join the local or the national gluten intolerance group, and we'll send you quarterly magazines, which also features a list of all of our branches in the back. Great. And I assume the list is also on the website as well, so you can see if there is something that's local. It is on the website, but for those people who like to hold paper, that's where the magazine <laughs> can come in, and it's a pretty awesome magazine. So if you want to right, know and the magazine comes the with the subscription. The subscription comes with yep. the joining the the group, which is great. Okay. Yep. Well, that's great. And, and I know joining, sometimes joining, the groups yeah. get together. Like I know some, I've seen some of the groups get together locally and say, you know, well, we're, we're gonna these two groups are gonna meet together and have a, a larger group meeting every once in a while, and that's been kind of neat too. Um, one of the things that I think is so valuable about the support groups that you really don't get, you know, off the Internet is, you know, just that one-on-one contact where people get together and, you know, they'll share recipes and they'll talk about, you know, the best doctors in the area and the restaurants where they've, you know, unfortunately gotten sick or ones where they've been treated really well. And, you know, those are just – there's really not any substitute for that personal time, which I think is what's so great about those support groups and that's what Gig um, has been so great at for over the years. But – well, ladies, I just I thank you very much for taking time out of your obviously quite busy schedules to come on and um, talk about what's going on in the world of GIG. And congratulations on 40 amazing years and everything that you have done and meant for our community. I certainly feel it, and I know um, the listeners know that you have made an impact in their lives um, from gluten-free food labeling to certifications to support groups to outreach. I mean, everything that you're doing in your mission is just so critical, and I appreciate it, and I cannot wait to help you celebrate your 40th birthday. Hey, well, thank, thank you. you so much, and we're just getting started. Definitely There's a lot of great things say. to come. Yeah, no, definitely. Some. You've got some yep. momentum going on. I, I'm, I can definitely see that. So I'm eager to see what comes out of it and to see what the next 40 years holds for the gluten-free community and, and the impact that GIG will have on it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Happy birthday. <laughs> see you in November. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.